Hi, I'm Michelle. And I work at Pink Powder Puff Lash Lounge and Beauty Bar in Wilmington, North Carolina. I'm today's guest announcer. You can find me on Instagram at Pink Powder Puff Lash and Beauty Bar. Cue the music. In an industry where most of us spend the majority of our time working alone in a room, this podcast was created so you can learn, be encouraged, and find a connection with other lash and beauty professionals. This is the Lash Cast Podcast, and here's your host, Paul Lubers. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by lash professionals and for lash professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm sitting here in our LashCast studios in Pasadena. Um, just really excited because we just finished LashCon, and now we are digging into some exciting new developments in our industry that has to do with Sugar Lash Pro and their big deal with Ulta. So we actually got a chance over the weekend to sit down with Courtney and talk to her about this deal. And I know some of you out there may be out there like, oh, I, you know what, I don't care. This is, you know, that's good for her, but this has nothing to do with me. We actually think this has a lot to do with all of us. I think this is a good step for our industry, and I think it's going to help all of us. So for those of you who may think, I'm going to skip this episode, I please don't. I think, one, there's a lot to learn just about the entrepreneur journey that Courtney's on and the things that she's working through, as well as what we, as a collective lash industry, all gain from this. So there's a lot here, guys. I think you will get much from it. I know I did. I really enjoyed talking to her about the nuts and bolts and the, how it all happened. But you also want another podcast Go to Shelby's Lash Boss Radio. She goes into other details that we tried not to cover so that you get the whole picture between both our episodes. So definitely check that episode out. There's more stuff over there for you to hear about. And But in this one, we really do want to talk about and celebrate why this helps our industry and why it's a good thing. So it's a, that's all this episode's going to be. There's no announcements, no promotions, none of that. We'll get back into some other stuff we have coming up soon. But for now, we want to just sit down with Courtney, Tusty, and I. Erica was on assignment. So we just had a chance to talk about the big deal between Ulta and Sugarglass Pro. Hey everyone, we are here in the Lashcast Studios here in Pasadena. I am with my well, amazing wife, and unfortunately Erica is on assignment, but we are very excited to have on the show again our returning guest, Courtney Bueller from Sugar Lash. So welcome to the show, Courtney. Thanks so much, and thanks for meeting me bright and early and working with my time difference, because I'm in Scotland right now. That's right. You thought you were originally in Ireland, but uh, your staff corrected you, and you're in Scotland. <laughs> I just I just get on planes and show up. Go places. up places, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you, if anyone went to LashCon, they would have seen her video, which was very funny and not just. I mean, most of it was good content, but the opening was really funny because she says where she is, and their staff corrects her. They have this cute little cartoon showing where she thinks is she is, where she thinks she is, and where so. she actually is, which is something I think we all could have a cartoon like that in our heads to help explain things. <laughs> but it was a great little. Um, speech that we had Courtney part of LashCon. We'll talk about it in another episode, but today we are here to really discuss the big, uh, I think, opportunity for our industry and for Sugar Lash and Courtney about the Ulta Sugar Lash Pro deal that was announced, I think, about two weeks ago now, correct? 
Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, you know, two weeks or so. And by the time this is on, it'll be maybe three weeks. And we are excited because we want to dig in deep on it. If you haven't already, you should definitely go and listen to Shelby's podcast where she sits down and talks to Courtney about a lot of stuff. And we will maybe cover some of that. But we're also going to try to give you guys a little bit more other information so that you can get a well-rounded picture on what happened and why. And, and, and kind of the break the nuts and bolts of this whole thing. Uh, one of the things I just real quickly wanted to do, if Courtney, if you're okay with this, is explain who Ulta is. I know a lot of people uh, may, may see it, but they don't realize really how big uh, this really is. I mean, Ulta is a, uh, last year did over $6 billion in their last um, fiscal year, like $6.7 billion net. And mm-hmm. their company's been growing about 8 to 10%. Over the last couple of years, they have 1,100 plus stores, 24,000 employees. It's been around since 1990. They're from Illinois. Uh, no, Illinois, Illinois. Sorry, <laughs> I like to piss off everyone from Illinois. Um, <laughs> so it's a, they're a really exciting kind of expanding, and they're really flying in the face of what everyone is saying you should do in the industry, and that is everyone going to digital, everything's going to Amazon, and here is a brick-and-mortar company who does online sales too, but exploding uh, by the seams in, in the brick-and-mortar space. And so it's really exciting to see their growth in our beauty industry. And at the same time, they're, they're doing something that you know upsets a lot of um, salons and hair salons because a lot of, they carry a lot of pro lines. They're mm-hmm. not just like a department store brands. They carry pro lines. And so that's kind of a challenge that a lot of hair salons are dealing with. And we'll talk about this, I think, a little bit later, kind of the intro, or what they're going to be doing and helping bring, I think, lash products to the mainstream too through the Sugar Lash. So anyhow, that all said, uh, what I thought we could first do is have Courtney explain, you know, what is the deal, what happened, and maybe accept the whole story about how this all came about. Yeah, so it's been a long time coming. Um, it's been definitely the biggest kind of deal that I have ever worked on. And when they first approached us, I wasn't super familiar because they're, they're really based out of the States, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the deal with Alta was a long time coming. It was definitely the biggest, um, project that I've kind of worked on in my career. And, um, it was super, super corporate, which as we all know, lash industry is so new and lots of us that are kind of leading it are not these big corporate background people. So, um, we basically were approached by Alta and they, they were very transparent that they were approaching a lot of, of the main lash brands in the world and, um, deciding that they wanted to bring on lash services. Primarily initially they were just talking about, um, lash extensions, which is fine. And so we had to fill out this like 80 page RFQ document that was, very, very structured and come up with, you know what it Kino. stands for yet? RFQ? Uh, request for quote. Woohoo! Woo-hoo! Yes. <laughs> yes. I was, I was, I was going to help you on that one. I, I decided to look it up because I remember she'll be like, I have no idea what this means. I'm like, okay, we'll help her but out. You but you know what? it. You are you all over what? it. I mean, you might That's literally known. my career in a nutshell is just <laughs> learning as I go along. That's um, fabulous. <laughs> so, yeah, so I wasn't very heavily involved in that, honestly. they I just told the team, like, you know, just work with it and just come up with something for them that makes sense and uh, whatever. And then, yeah, we got rejected. And that was the probably the best part of the whole thing. And so Real when quick, I, we got re- – well, I was going to say, when you got rejected, uh, uh, how did that come? Was it just an email, a phone call? Was it just, you know, really uh, – It was an email. It was an email. So not like a personal touch. Was it just like, like a, a form letter? 
<laughs> no, yeah, it was it was just an email. Like the the team had submitted it, I think, like the week prior, and um, yada yada. And so, actually, the real the real thing of it, if you want the real drama backstory, which I haven't talked about yet, was that one of the companies, which I won't name names, that had made it to the finalists. So we got rejected from the finalists. Oh, okay. but one so of the companies, made, there were stages in this whole process. There were stages, yes. Yeah. So they kind of cast like a super wide net and then they, you know, narrowed it down. And then the ones, the finalists that got chosen went to pitch in Chicago. So we got rejected and we weren't going to go pitch. Do you know why finalist. you rejected by chance? Did they give you any like, well, you kind of missed this or we wish you had more of this or was it just as flat? Nope. You're just not moving on. Yeah. It was just, it was just kind of flat. Oh, wow. And so, but then there was this one company that did make it to the finalist mm-hmm. that weren't even a lash extension company. And then they were approaching us and saying that they wanted to private label all of our product and oh, education. Oh my gosh. And so that pissed me off. <laughs> I No, it's yes. no end. Of course. Yeah, so I, I I was just kind of like, okay, this isn't cool. So you're, so you're like a Trojan horse. You'd be in there anyways, but underneath another company's name. That's ridiculous. Right. And then for Alta, obviously, that's not the best deal if they're going to get marked up mm-hmm. all of their stuff, right? Yeah. So I'm like, this is not cool. So And they weren't even a lash brand, a lash extension brand. Yeah. So, um, so I just kind of actually was in Hawaii at the time and um, – I got this email when I was like by the pool and I was so mad. <laughs> so I went back to my room and I just wrote up this long email to them. And I was like, I was like, I have nothing but respect for your guys's brand. Like what you're bringing to the table in the beauty industry, in my um, opinion is like a very, very inclusive, non-intimidating, um, fun, you know, way to approach beauty. Um, that, resonates with everyone whether you're high end or lower end or mid-range or whatever like i feel like alta kind of caters to everyone they do yeah um so i said um you know here's the thing i was like we did the rfq uh it was very structured and you know i wasn't able to kind of just pitch you on why sugar lash pro needs to be your partner in this but i'm like but i'm just gonna do it now via email and you guys can take it or leave it Mm -hmm. so i kind of just said you know Lash extensions are a really hard thing to learn. Um, it takes a lot of hours. It's not like a normal, um, you know, it's not, it's not just like a normal service. It's a lot more, more detailed as we all know, which obviously I don't need to explain that to all the lash artists listening. <laughs> um, but I said, the good thing about Sugar Lash Pro is that we have kind of this wide, uh, you know, offering of lash lift and then lash tint and then classic lashes and then volume lashes and then we have lash style so we have this kind of progression and we call it like our track of what people or what artists can kind of do but we all know that lash lifting is a fairly simple thing to learn and that can be implemented right away um you know and and learned legitimately in a day or in you know whatever six hours online and of course there's going to be some finessing but it's pretty quick right to implement not like lash extensions is and uh, and then I said, and then we have tint, and then we have the the plump and glaze, which just got released, and then we have lash extensions. And I said, not only that, but we have online educations, which which not a lot of companies have, and they're very thorough. Um, and then we have a bunch of people on the ground that can come and help you hands on. And I just said, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know what exactly what you guys are looking for, and I don't know exactly why we were rejected. But I just said, if you are going to do this, even if you don't choose us, please do choose 
a brand that is dedicated solely to lash extensions. And that's their specialty because you're going to have a huge impact on the industry for better or for worse. So it's just my hope that you do this really, really well. Mm-hmm. I kind of left it at that and sent it off. And uh, within the hour, they wrote back and said, we made a mistake. Please come next week to Chicago. Wow. So, yeah. So then it was crazy. I flew home. My team was, my team was like literally up all night every night. I completely redid the thing. So anything that was in the RFQ was scrapped. I yeah. never – I didn't talk about it again. I did a whole new program for them. And um, – yeah, you, and then we went because the RFQ Chicago. you felt like had failed the first time, right? So you said, you know, mm-hmm. guys, we need to rebuild this from the ground up and start over. Now, just let's go back to that email. Um, I don't know if this is just a characteristic of you that someone just does, never gives up. I mean, did you have anyone saying, like, was your husband or some of your employees like, come, please just go write them, or is this something that you were like, uh, the hell with it? I'm just gonna throw everything out there and go for it. I'm, I'm really actually this is a mistake they're making right now and you had enough confidence in yourself and your belief in you and your brand that you said, I don't care, but I'm going to go ahead and kind of challenge them right now. Yeah. I think, I think that's just a me thing. It's, it's always just kind of been, if I believe it in my heart, if I really believe that I'm the best option or that I, I know in my heart that I can do it the best out of, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever I'm doing, then I'm really going to fight for it. And so there's even been things in my whole life, like just, you know, when I was not very well off and didn't have a lot of income, just like an apartment that I wanted to rent, but it mm-hmm. was, you know, there was a million people to choose from and I always just go above and beyond and write the email <laughs> and make the calls and provide the references or whatever. Cause I just think if they know that your heart's in it, then that goes a long way. Observing this whole thing, what I'm observing about you is that you're, it seems that you're gifted in communication and there's different aspects about that that I want to just uh, observe. In, in, in one way, you are like a prophet. Um, you, you're speaking the truth. Maybe it's something that people don't want to hear necessarily, but they need to hear it. And, and that specifically would be, you know, lashes are hard to do. It, it kind of is, it goes, it's not so super intuitive. I mean, if you're pitching a company, you might want to say, oh, it's, it's easy, it's accessible, but you're speaking the truth. It's something that we all struggle with that it's a hard skill to learn. Um, the, the other thing is, is that you are, as a, as a businesswoman, you're looking at it, you're approaching this pitch from the angle of what they need. They're looking at it from a business standpoint. You're saying, we have what you need. We have different products. This is a hard skill to learn. So I'm going to start by saying you can learn how to do this with this basic skill and then build on that. And then it's also meeting their needs in terms of, you know, different sales and, and products to, to use. And then you're translating. You're translating, you know, what it is that uh, the industry needs. And, and I, it's just really cool to see you take this communication and, and really flesh it out and, and, and speak the truth to them. I think that that's accurate. I mean, I haven't really taken the time to, I, I guess, kind of break it down in my head. But yeah, I think that was kind of what they what they liked. And actually, that's been an ongoing thing with, between me and kind of whoever I'm dealing with, but especially Alta, was just that they were always like, thank you so much for your transparency. Thank you so much for your honesty. Like they're not wanting someone, you know, and I think in business, there's a lot of time that people will try and yeah, like sugarcoat stuff or be like, Oh, it's going to be easy and it's mm-hmm. going to be simple. But it was like, really the whole pitch was like, this is not easy. This is not simple. And yeah. 
Yeah, I think um, so. They, you weren't trying to sugar lash it. <laughs> Sorry. Don't get me started on the name, Paul. Let's not go there. <laughs> Uh, it's really lame. I'm sorry. They just, I just heard you say that and go, Oh, come on. I have to say something. So by any chance, have you gotten to meet Mary Dillon or is this only you dealing with the other people in the company so far? Uh, we're dealing with other people in the company so far. So Richard seal, uh, he's the, actually, I don't know his, his actual title, but, um, when we pitched, we pitched in front of a board. Nick Stenton was also there and he's a quite a big name in Alta. He's more on the hair side, but in the, mm-hmm in the salon services. And then, um, Randy and Gabriella is in charge of education. Randy's in charge of the retail side of stuff. So they're going to be picking up high lash society. I guess I haven't talked about this yet. High lash society is going to be our retail line, which is launching next year in the spring. And it's going to have basically everything consumer facing, um, to the lash industry. So everything from strip lashes to sealants, to growth serums, to conditioners, uh, anything that you would need to take care of your natural lashes or lifted lashes or extensions. So Alt is going to be carrying um, six of those to start with. And then I think the other one's on .com. But most importantly, that's going to be available to um, lash artists to carry in their salon just to support their business that much more and make um, revenue off of Retail, yeah. which is obviously huge. I actually think one of the things that, uh, I mean, we'll get into some of the other benefits, but one of the things I'm really excited to see was that you were going to have a product line that was me selling to the re- on the retail side because, as you know, in the lash world, retail is we really suffer in retail. Uh, we just don't have like what the hair salons have. We don't have mm-hmm. like what spas have. I mean, some salons and spas out there make twenty, thirty percent of their business is through retail. And I know in the lash world, that's no, no, we're in close. It's like four percent if you're really rocking on all. Cylinders. Yeah, if you're selling a lot of wash <laughs> a lot, lot, <laughs> lot you're just loading them up on wash and maybe and now like we did we sold a lot of makeup too we did eyeliners and and we yep. had a, a, a lash safe mascara and and skincare and those type of things but i think lash salons are really hurting in fact i know a lot of lash salons don't sell anything i mean the best they sell maybe is a wash and that's about it so for yep. you guys to get out there and and mainstream lash care is going to be huge because all of a sudden now uh, you're on a national level and a national brand where people for the first time are being told, like, I'm supposed to take care of my lashes. I'm supposed to, like, do this type of stuff. It's going to actually have a ripple effect, I think, for other salons because they will, you know, people who go there or hear about it will go to their stylist going, I, I, I saw these products. Why don't I have these things? And it's going to give an opportunity for other salons and lash stylists to pick up brands like yours or Borboletta or other companies out there and begin mm-hmm. to sell retail and actually help themselves make more money where I think a lot of lash stylists don't realize they're leaving a lot of money on the table right now by not having products to sell. I mean, for the consumer, it's basically um, opening up their minds to say that there's there's more uh, that's needed or it's just creating that new category. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think like for me, even from the very, very beginning, like 11 years ago when I started my lash company as a lash artist, I I always had retail. And for me, it was frustrating because obviously I'd have to piecemeal it together, right? So you have to get eyeliner from here and mascara from here and then um, sleep masks and whatever, right? Like everything was always piecemeal. And I hated it because I'm neurotic. If you know enough about me that, to know that I'm visually and branding, I'm quite yeah. like neurotic with it. So it killed me. Um, but, but I always did it. But I didn't do it. I would say I didn't do it at the beginning because of the revenue stream. Obviously, it's great for revenue. But I always just thought that 
it's just good service. And I don't know why there's such a stigma about retail in the lash world, because I think that people come from, like lots of them come from aesthetics background or from hair. And everyone knows that if you go and get a blow at a salon, you want to be equipping them to be able to do it at home or just to protect the investment. Like if I was a consumer or a client that came for lashes and I spent 200 bucks on my lashes, and then I found out that there was a sealant or there was something that was going to protect them and you didn't, sell that to me, I would be choked yeah. at it because it's a, it's a big investment. I have a theory about that. I think that one of the reasons why we, we don't, it hasn't been a model, is because the lash world is, is pretty new. We haven't had anybody to really follow. We're, we've been inventing the wheel. All of us who have been in it as long as you, know, you and I have, we're pioneers. You're a pioneer. We had didn't have anybody to lead the way, right? That's why I'm so excited about what Sugar Lash is doing, this whole deal with Ulta, is because it's a gift. It's really a gift for all of us. It's kind of like a vehicle for all of us to follow. It's opening up in, in everyone's mind psychologically uh, what it's going to look like to have um, a service that you can go to and trust from a big brand having the product line, it's it's going to set in everybody's minds what can be expected. So I think it's it's a real gift to everybody. A lot of hair salons are really don't like Ulta because they're taking away from their um, product sales. But I think a lot of people also don't realize that what you're about to do is the opposite, though. Let me just play this scenario out. I've been to business conferences, and really the, the main focus is like, how are we going to deal with Amazon and Ulta? That's like the big talk. Like because how they're disruptors. They're you know? disruptors. They're changing the industry. And they're they're taking away sales from salons. And then what's kind of cool is I look at this case, and this is going to be, the, I think, the reverse effect. All of a sudden, you have Ulta picking up Sugar Lash and making you guys a national brand. I mean, you already were, but really putting you guys in the spotlight. And people are going to be like, oh, my gosh, there are Lash companies? Like, they're, they just, people don't get it. People, there's all these independent operators, but people have never seen, like, a national mm-hmm. brand of any sort. And now they're going to be told there is one, which is going to make them curious, I think, and want to know more. And they're going to be told they can sell products. And because of that, they realize they're going to want to take care of their lashes more, which is only going to help drive revenue sales for you guys, Ulta, but I think ultimately the whole industry. So in some ways, it's like the opposite effect. Like, lash salons are going to be, I think, thanking Ulta, eventually for coming out and bringing Sugar Lash up to the spotlight and allowing people to know about these brands and that there's care products. And it's just a different perspective, I guess, instead of fearing the change and seeing this being a negative thing, which I think some people probably do because they just don't understand business, I think, but Mm -hmm. really see this as a positive. And and it's exciting to see it and see you guys hit the national stage is really only going to create more awareness and I think, as Shelby said, it's bringing you guys mainstream, which is, I think, is a win for everyone. It's legitimizing us, and it's giving us a model to follow for all of us. I agree. And I think that, I think for me as a business owner, because um, first and foremost, like, it doesn't really ever matter how big Sugar Lash Pro gets. I always do everything with the intention of serving, like, this, this one salon, right? Like, that's how I have to always think about it. And so... For me, I think I get um, disheartened a little bit when I feel like so many people struggle out there. And I'm not saying that Sugar Lash Pro is going to be, it's the only brand that you should use. Like, I'm not naive enough to think that we're going to be everyone's, you know, favorite thing. Um, I mean, I I do as best as I can and we work really hard, but there's um, lots of amazing brands out there. But I find that so many business owners, um, their focus is in the wrong place. 
And so instead of just being like, yeah, let me commit to this brand, whatever it is, and, you know, work with their product and learn it really, really well and understand it and whatever, they continually just kind of jump around and get this or that and piecemeal this and, and keep treating their clients as guinea pigs. And I think it's such a dangerous game to play. What I would encourage people to do is just to like settle down a little bit, I guess, if that makes sense. Like if you have a product line that you absolutely love, or even if you piecemeal stuff and you know, you love so-and-so's adhesive and then you love our lashes or whatever, like settle in with that, settle in with it, learn how this works, learn, actually make it so it's your bread and butter and your clients know what to expect and all of that stuff. And then focus on like treating your customers super well and giving them a unique experience and giving them amazing results. And you'll be so much better off than, than jumping around, but you're right that it's, it's going to kind of anchor everything. And I totally think that like people will go to Ulta and they'll get them and that'll be great. And then, you know, whatever, they might go and try someone else in their city or the people in the city might go on vacation and send them to Ulta. Like, I think everyone, it's going to be good for everyone just to be able to just, um, be able to trust each other a little bit more, if that yeah. makes sense. Have a support network. I think so too. Um, and, and I'm sure that there has been, you know, whenever you get a success uh, or something wonderful happens, there's always a small contingent of people that are going to be like, you know, sour grapes and, rah, 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 you know, because it's human nature, right? One of the Ten Commandments is, you know, do not covet, do not envy, right? I'm sure that you're getting some of that. I am getting some of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I guess the big thing to talk about here is we'll go into this part is is dealing with success and and this balance layer where you want to let people know, you know, obviously because you guys are here to make money and drive a business. But at the same time, I'm sure you guys aren't like wanting to lord this over everybody and be like, hey, we're kicking ass, guys, and you know, watch out for us. We're the, you know, there's a, I'm sure I know you. There's a certain humility and wanting to be, you know, appreciate and, and grateful for what you have, the success, and know that it's come. I, obviously, there's other brands that didn't make it. So, how do you balance between, I guess you know, celebrating and doing this and also dealing with some of the blowback where there are people who are like, I'm sure like you said, I know with Shelby too, that there's been some haters and some people and that's, you know, I, I gotta be frustrating to be, you know, in the high in the moment and, and feel the same time as certain people are trying to undercut that success or undermine it. No, it was a really, really, uh, hard week. Like that week. Oh my gosh. I was, like, and then we had those awards and that was cool. Like, let's not talk about that. But it was just a crazy, crazy week. There was like the announcement, the awards, and there was like so much adrenaline and so many also like crashes. Uh, I didn't sleep like for longer than 45 minutes at a time that week. I was so anxiety riddled with like, yes, there was so much support and it was good. So you're riding that high, but then just like the meanest, nastiest things that I've ever had written about me and people making fake accounts on Instagram and, you know, and, and like threats to my family. And it was a crazy week. So just, I guess, as an encouragement that when you step out and you do something big or you, you know, make a move like that, that yeah, it comes at a price and it's definitely not, I'm not sitting here thinking I'm untouchable or whatever, because it gets to me for sure. It does, because I'm just trying to serve the industry as best as I can. Right. And I want to speak to that person, um, the person that is tempted to send off a, um, a nasty email or, or harbor these thoughts. I, I think at the time, they're probably not thinking 
oh, I'm going to I'm going to send something nasty because they feel it's legitimate. Right. And they don't they don't feel wrong in doing it. And those feelings are coming from a place of um, I mean, if you're looking at it from the outside, you could say most likely insecurity. But here's the thing. Every single one of us has been in that place of feeling bad about somebody else's success because that's a very human flaw and we've all been afflicted with it, right? Um, and so I want to talk to that girl. I want to talk to that, that, that woman, that, that part of all of us. And, and as I'm speaking, I'm, I'm going to be speaking to myself. When, when we all got into lashes, what was it that we, we did it for? What is it that we loved about lashes? The answer is that because it, it made every woman more beautiful. When she opened her eyes after you've done that amazing service and she looks in it and it almost tears come to her, come well up and she sees, she sees a better vision of herself and, and you are part of making that. That's what I hear a lot of, you know, my lash sisters saying, that's why they got into it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if we have that power and that ability to bring that kind of joy and beauty to women, isn't it better that there's a bigger platform that more people can be exposed to having that life-changing experience? Mm-hmm. By having somebody experienced and, and qualified and equipped to train others at the helm, like on the podium, on a world stage, equipping others to do it, bringing our end goal to the forefront, meaning more people, more women um, having beautiful lashes, isn't that a good thing? What I want people to, to see is that the pie is big enough. More people being exposed to, to lashes and having that wonderful experience does not mean less money in your pocket. No, I, I think everything you're saying is so true. And I think that for me, I think the hardest thing about this whole thing was just that people really, like they really just took it as this personal thing. And and again, they're not thinking it, it's the, you know, it bugs me when people are emotional and they write messages like that. Like I get it. I get mad sometimes for sure. Like I can lose my temper. Um, I've gotten better over the years for sure, but I can, I can be reactive and I understand that, but it's like, they don't take the time to logically think about, Hey, Sugar Lash didn't pitch Ulta. Ulta was going to do lashes anyways. They were already doing lashes. Yeah, it, they just wanted to actually their menu sure right they were now. doing it better. Yeah, you yeah there's not America. that many. It was like 250 <laughs> people were doing it. But I mean, that's still a handful of people and it's yeah. going to go to a lot more. But it's like, you know, they were going with the brand anyways. So what, why, just because I pitched on it and I happened to win it, do you have to come at me because I'm a, you know, successful business? Because because I pitched them well, right? Because yeah. I made a plan for them that made sense. So I think it's just that reaction. Like, you know, say what you will about, um, you know, big business or whatever, whatever it is. But you know what? All that I'm trying to do is, like, progress the industry in a way that I feel is going to, like, safeguard it and make mm-hmm. sure that it's done in a really in a really legitimate way. And, yeah, raise the bar. I want to have, like, conferences that are, like, you know, the hair – like, the big hair shows. And, and, like, we can get there. Like, I know we can get there. And I know that's where we're going. I yeah. just – I want to always be the one to to raise it. Not that other people aren't doing it, too. Like, every time that, you know, Borboletta launches something or someone else launches something, I'm like, yes, 
let's get there. You know, if they got there before I got there, I'm like, Kate, add it to our list. We're not going to be first anymore, but we can still contribute. Right. Yeah. So we're all like feeding into each other's successes. And, and, uh, that's the way I see it anyways. And I remember you posting this and I, and I never, I don't think I've ever talked to you about this. And this was the, you know, cause everyone talks about collaboration over or, uh, competition or competition over or community over competition. Mm-hmm. And I remember you posting and say, Hey guys, you know what? Competition is good. And it, it's helpful and it makes us all better and yes. we don't just sit still and, and if we're all friends and we can be friends by the way, but, but if we just talk about community, but no competition, then that kind of can flatline our industry. Like we won't really push each other. And I really appreciate you saying, you know, I, I welcome competition. I like competition. It makes me better. It makes me work harder. And I think it also makes all of our brands become better brands because of that. And it's not just about just hugs and love and all that, which is fine. But at the end of the day, you know, we're all trying to compete here and we're all trying to win. And I think having a healthy competition is a positive thing. And you guys doing this type of thing, going out there, killing it, getting this deal, I think is just going to amp up more people to fight harder and raise their game up because the stakes got just bigger, right? Mm -hmm. No, I agree. The competition is what sharpens us. It makes us um, refine our product and our services so that we're bringing our best to the clients. It gives uh, our clients more choices. It brings everybody up. It, it, it sharpens everybody. Yeah, and that quote was that, and it still irks me to, to this day. That's why I went on a big rant about it. But <laughs> she's, she's not my competition. She's oh, my sister. That's it, yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh. No, she's your competition. Yeah. And you also are friends. And guess why you're friends? And guess why you're on each other's radars? Because you're competitors. Yeah. So, like, the people that I'm closest with in the industry are, like, definitely the movers and shakers, right? Because that's that's who I can, like, relate to. And that's who I can appreciate and, you know, get behind and support and, and feel like I'm connected to. Because they're going to kick my ass if I don't stay on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when even I look back in the days, me growing up as a film buff, uh, a lot of the great directors happened all to be very good friends. Uh, friends for Coppola, Scorsese, um, Spielberg, all these guys were friends. And they all you would think they would all be helping each other fail. But actually... They didn't. They were actually critiquing each other's films back in the 70s and telling, oh, your film sucks or you need to do this, trying to help each other out. And they would meet together. And I think people don't understand that that type of healthy competition is really what's going to drive and push our industry to that next level. Yeah. And that's really profound, I think, because they're, you know, at the end of the day, they're cultivating a love for the cinema, right? Yeah. So that works to everyone's advantage, but it doesn't help Scorsese if all his competitors are putting out movies that people are like, what a ripoff. I hate going to the theater. Yep. And then they just start not going. And then that doesn't work in anyone's advantage. So it, it really, really helps to just feed into the giant pool that is the industry that you're in. And that's why I feel like we, when we saw this, I said, this is a huge step for all of us. It's not just a sugar lash deal. This is really an industry deal that's going to grow our industry and get more people aware of lashes and also like i believe even the product side more aware of that and i think those are all wins that's going to help us and one of the things i was excited to think about is that we don't right now have a culture in our industry that where you take your two-day training or three-day four-day five-day wherever you're taking now or online training and 
I think most people just think, oh, I'm going to go open my salon. Now I'm going to become an independent operator. And we don't really have a mentorship mentality in our industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do in the hair world. Hair world, you take a year of school and then you go work in the hair salon and you wash hair and you sweep and floors sweeping. and you get training and you, and you cut hair maybe on Mondays or something. But you're not doing hair 24-7. You have to wait. You have to pay your dues. You have to be trained more and equipped by a mentor. And yep. we don't have that in our industry. And one of the things I was hopeful for is like I think it's which could be great is a lot of people can get out of school or out of their program and go work at a company now like what you guys have working with uh, Ulta and really get that mentorship you get that growth to get that modeling so they understand customer service so they understand how what a good lash stylist is and what the standards are and what best practices are and then they can go launch their career and build their business I think it hurts our industry right now when most people don't even work in a slot ever like they just straight get done with their two-day training or whatever, and then they go right out and they start tr- practicing and they open their place. Well, I, I know that's our standard. I think that actually lowers our bar a little bit because there's no sense of uh, passing on the customer service to yes. mm-hmm. Well, Yeah, it, I agree. It, it hasn't been there just because we're so new, right? We've all been having, you know, anybody who's successful and has a successful lash place has kind of been hustling, you know, has been faking it until they make it because there hasn't been that model. Yeah. And I wonder, it would be actually interesting. I don't know if you guys know, but like, I wonder at the beginning of like, you know, the nail industry or something that hasn't been around for as long as hair. I wonder if at the beginning of that, those were all two day courses and they said, no, 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 this isn't working. Let's slow this down a bit. Like it'll be interesting, I think, to see over the next 10 years Mm -hmm. if, and it's something definitely that we've talked about it at Sugar Lash Pro, like, do we start a six week or eight week program or do we start, you know, something that is like that? I think the problem with that, every time we talk about it, I believe that is absolutely the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. But are people going to do that? Yeah. And are people going to yeah. pay that? And, you know, with people charging $2,000 for a two-day course, well, of course, you're not going to charge $1,000 a day for a six-week or eight-week course. So then your <laughs> profitability goes down, right? And so it's this kind of, you know, we're in this awkward stage, I think, of us all knowing we need more. But obviously, the companies, you know, companies are going to ride out as long as they can these, you know, $1,000 a day per head student for these two days. Um, but yeah, something that we're we're definitely not um, pushing any longer. That's why we've gone online is just because it needs to be more, I think. And that's, that's kind of where I'm standing on it. Yeah. I think people are going to choose in the long term what is going to increase their skill. And I mean, there's always going to be people that want the quick thing. Just give me the certificate, give me, you know, uh, just two days is fine, you know, but it's, it's not because you really don't have those skills. Um, it's probably and- less longevity, I'm guessing, for people who just do that too. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I think if we, we raise the bar and get more people invested in their training, I think we're going to see people last longer or probably be in the industry longer because of that, I would mm-hmm. think. Just mm-hmm. by naturally putting more into it, you're going to stick around longer versus a two-day class where, yeah, it was just fun two days. I can move on and do something different with my life now. Yeah, you might not have the skills after those two days. You asked about the – or you mentioned the, the nail world, but I, I remember like um, – but you know when acrylic nails first came out, everything Tessa's was. Tessa's really old. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay. Anyway, scratch that. No. Okay. okay. So I totally remember with the nails, it, everything used to be done by file. Like uh, somebody hand filed everything, and it took like yeah. two hours. Um, and it was it was like three hundred dollars to get your nails done acrylics, and um, when That's during World War Two, right? St- Stop it! Oh my gosh, you're in the doghouse. Um, 
Sheesh. Yeah, okay, everyone thinks he's so funny. Uh, um, Kate, you look amazing. So <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. I don't even care how old you are. You are so stunning. So <laughs> oh, just, Courtney, I love you. So, um, but you know, when the Dremel came out, that little, you know, um, and yeah. we had like an, you know, influx of uh, immigrants that were doing this. Everyone was all upset about it. They're they're cheapening this industry. They're, you know, and in some way, it, it completely disrupted it and it changed it. But it was good. It, the industry moved. It just rolled with it. It's like this is kind of a disruptor, but it's going to sharpen people and it's going mm-hmm. to in, uh, just raise and elevate our entire industry. Yeah, I agree. Now, one of the things that people don't realize in this deal is that Ulta has already been working with national brands on other places. I was looking online, and I saw that Redken does the training for their hairstylists. Dermalogica does the skin. OPI is the, does their nail. And then they have Benefit Brow Bars also in Ulta. So mm-hmm. this was just a natural progression for them to, to go and I look for a national brand to do lashes because beforehand – what was it? What What did they have? Did they just have people just coming in and just doing lashes? Did they have any sort of training set up or? So yeah, they like they had all their licensed professionals, and then but their licensed professionals were kind of getting training on their own time. Mm-hmm. And then I think they used I think Ultra kind of provided some professional product, but it wasn't it wasn't like a a firm thing. This this is from what I understand. I don't yeah. like fully know but basically they just they understood that the world wants lashes and i think that that should be so encouraging for all the lash artists out there because alta is not just going to make moves without tons and tons of industry research right so they know lashes are the next big thing like everyone wants them the demand is skyrocketing which we all know it already mm-hmm. has been mm-hmm. but yeah. even more so where it's like yeah if you're getting your brows done you're for sure going to get your lashes done you know people are giving up their nails because they have heard about lashes and they can't afford both and so they need to prioritize and lashes are becoming the priority for the average woman it's like the thing to do right it so is. good news for everyone it is. It's great news. It's great news. It's just a confirmation. It doesn't mean that your business is going to dry up. It's. It, this is awesome. Now, uh, it does so I'm like so like cheerleader, like like her pom poms on right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't want. I just don't want people to to because they're afraid wallow in that sense of oh my gosh, you know, I can't believe she's doing that. It's a win for us. Or, or just dealing with scarcity, believing that there's not enough room. We we had we mentioned something at the end of at the last con that the pie is big enough. There is yeah. enough work for all of us. There are so many eyes out there, mm-hmm. so many lashes, and we still have not gotten close to every person coming in and getting their lashes done. So it's okay. And and oh, not at all. And I think you guys, I think probably one of the concerns people had is like, oh, they're gonna be like some other national brands. They're gonna just low ball and go low prices, but that's not yep. it, right? You guys, I looked at their menu already. It's not low. It's not cheap. No, I was concerned about that too. And I kind of did say that to them. I was like, listen, you're not going to just come in and rush this. You're not going to lowball this, try and get people like we're going to do it right. And they were never, ever intending. If, if anything, I got them to lower their prices by like 50 bucks per service. Cause I was like, this is high end. Wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, let's calm down great. a little bit. But like, they're no, they're just super committed. They're like, no, well, we want them. To, they just really believed that they could charge like the absolute top thing because they were partnering with Sugar Lash, which is super flattering. Yeah. But I'm like, you know, let's let's be a, realistic a little bit in what your providers are going to be doing, and and they're going to be amazing. They're going to be great, but are they going to be award winning championship lash artists? I'm mean, probably not. Uh, maybe some of them will be, but um, but yeah, let's price it on the high end, but not out of reach of people. So, and then that's the thing. And if if 
that kind of clientele ends up going to Ulta or whatever. And then, then you price a little bit higher than Ulta and make sure you're amazing. Or you price a little bit lower. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's all just business. It just comes down to business and you can just be unique, right? Like, or you offer a foot massage with your service. You know what I mean? Like, just like there's so many little things that you do. And if people love foot massages, like I do, if someone was massaging my feet when I get lashes, then Uh, I would go for lashes more. But, um, I've tried it. <laughs> I'll pa- I tried he's it. He's just a complete weirdo. He doesn't want people touching. I don't you like. Don't like I don't like people touching me. <laughs> my wife oh, can touch it. me. That's about it. But I don't want some strange person <laughs> rubbing my feet, my bunions. No, no, I just no. Don't want that. One of the things I, I thought would be interesting to find out is a little bit about the deal itself. Are you now guys going to be? coming on like are they going to be sugar lash employees or are they going to be ultra employees who are just trained by your trainers or do you guys gonna have people on site how's that all gonna work out yeah so like the way that it works is that they're all um ultra employees and they just go through our online training and then they also we provide uh, live support to them as well and then uh over and above that we are helping ultas um they have district educators so we're helping them kind of know what to look for as well. But we are doing Sugar Lash Pro is still doing the full certification process. So Alta employees are still going through us for their exam. So you have like a 50 question exam that they have to go through and pass. And then we do the live certification where they've actually done a model and we'll do a video call and kind of go through all of that with them before we can uh, certify them. And would it be the hope eventually to have their trainers, I guess, so certified that they could do the live t- testing, so to speak. They can come in into the places and do it themselves. Or will you guys always be part of that, I guess, certification process? I mean, I think we're just kind of seeing how it goes. I, eventually, it'd be nice to have them self-sufficient. But I also just don't want just anyone certifying because I think it's yeah. such an important piece to this. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to retain it, even though it is a pain in the ass for us and thousands upon thousands of certification calls is not easy. Yeah, so um, this could be huge with 1,100 plus stores, right? Yeah, it's it's a lot. And so my my team right now, there's been... Um, like five of them on certification calls all day, every single day. And wow. it's been a lot to handle. And this is like, we're not, we're not passing everyone. Like, it's not just like you show up and you pass, like it's, it's, you're getting feedback and we're helping you. Um, Cause we really want to make sure that when you get that certification that you've earned it and we feel good about it and you feel good about it. And that's kind of the, uh, the whole thing. Well, I wanted to uh, just tease that apart a little bit because you know, the, the model for many of the last trainings today out there, it's not necessarily merit-based. It's attendance-based. You know, a lot of students will have the expectation after going to a class that they will automatically get certified. And um, so maybe some of the fear that some lash artists have is that, oh, you're just going to be certifying people willy-nilly, just like a mill, just cranking them out. And what I hear you saying is not that. What I hear you saying is that there is a process, and it's not attendance-based. It has to be proven. It's merit proven. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. And always like for the longest, for my entire career, when I got into training and stuff, um, it's never ever been that you just get a certificate at the end of your course. Um, I was lucky, you know, my, my initial last training wasn't the best, but I did have to go home and I had to do 25 case studies Mm -hmm. um, that I had to submit. And I liked that. Like, it was kind of annoying, I guess, that you didn't just get certified and you couldn't just tell people that you were certified. But um, I mean, I felt good that when I, at the end of that, they certified me early. I didn't need to do all full 25. I did like 18 or something, but, um, I felt good about that. So I always knew that there was something that needed to be done and hours that needed to be put in. Um, 
because it's just, you know what I think, and let's just get real here for a second, because as I'm coming into my own as a business owner, I think I can speak more freely, but I feel that it's, it's a little bit of laziness mm-hmm. on educators parts. Like as a student, I wouldn't like it if I went to a course and I got a certification because it's almost like, okay, I'm done with you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, shoe. Mm-hmm. we're completed now your course is done like here's your certificate what more do you need from me and I'm not saying that every trainer that gives certificates on the day is like that but I just if you keep the line open and you're like okay well you're not certified yet you're still a learning student and I'm still committed to you and you're still committed to me I think that you can do so much more with that student in that time frame I agree because you're, you're investing in them. You're still connected. You're still checking. You're just, it's like you're checking the pulse. You know, how are you? What, what are your signs of life? Yeah. And then as they do stuff and ultimately, you know, everyone knows when they leave courses, they're going to come up against, you know, someone that has crazy lashes or, um, you know, extremely dirty lash lines or whatever, like even they have like a rude client or something, but you still have that line open to say like, how do I deal with this? And whether it's, you know, support from the company or your instructor or peer support or whatever, I just think that it's so needed. I still refer to that process as, you know, being thrown to the wolves after you get certified, it's you're you're thrown. <laughs> yeah. And I think what's cool, I think, I understand from you, is that they're going to have that ongoing customer support. And uh, well, you almost like to have a hotline where people can call in from mm-hmm. the ground and be able to reach someone at your uh, base, basically, and say, hey, we have a situation. We're trying to work through this. How would Sugar Lash deal with this issue? Is that going to be kind of like the operation or how it's set up? Yeah, thousand percent. And and that's even any of just our customers. Like it doesn't even matter if you're a student. Like if anyone's even just using our products and like needs help, like we have such an amazing support system and, and I don't want to call it a call center because that's not what it is, but we do have like um uh, like five to eight people that just answer phones or live chats or whatever every day to support you know, whoever is supporting us, like a thousand percent. By the way, I'm going to give you a shout out on this uh, for your company. You guys are always extremely responsive to when I reach out to you. Uh, there are still companies today that I've reached out to in the past, and I have yet to hear from them. <laughs> it's been like oh no way for LashCon. There were some people I was like, hey, it'd be cool to have them come to LashCon, and I DM, I email them, I call them, leave messages, and just crickets. It's just the be able to set up communication, and this is my my new my new. Uh, beef I have with our industry. I really want to encourage more companies or brands to really invest in infrastructure to be able to support their, their um, those who are fans of their industry or their companies. Because I think there's nothing that says I don't care about you than basically reaching out to a company and never hearing back from them. And that's got to be, that's really discouraging. And I, I imagine some of these companies like, man, I bet you probably one of their biggest obstacles of growth is that they actually have no one there to handhold and care for their for their customers. And yep. you guys have always have been, boom. I mean, I, I communicate and it, it's, it's quick. It doesn't matter it's you or someone else on your team. Very quick, very on top of things. I just really appreciate that. And that's because you guys have set good communication lines. And, and, and that's something that's, I think, unique. Um, not all companies have set that up. And as a lash stylist, and as and just our listeners too, I mean, if you really want to stand out, set up systems so that you do get responses that back to people. I remember when Tess was first starting, this is a total side note, but when Tess started, she, people would be texting her while she was with their clients. And then she'd be up to like midnight texting people back, trying to communicate, yep. trying to get the, them in. Because she knew if she waited, then they'd go somewhere else. 
And, totally. And I think people don't understand that people don't have time to have a 48-hour response to an email or to a DM. I mean, yes, they don't want second by second, but don't you know, respond timely. You know, I say get 24 hours or less. It's really, well, that was the first, when I first started sugar lash, it was me, um, doing the marketing and it was Dustin doing the shipping and we were good for the most part with just that. And then the first ever, um, person outside of that, that I hired was just a customer service person because I was like too busy. And yeah, that totally is my fear too. And, and I mean, it's still my fear. Like we're, you know, like a $20 million company and it's still like, oh my gosh, like, you need to respond to this DM now, you know, and, and in the grand scheme of things, it's like, Oh, well, they're just asking, you know, what glue you offer, but it's like, it doesn't matter. It's just like, if they're reaching out to connect with you, you have to connect back and you need to make sure that they know that you can rely on you because what good is all your marketing efforts if they can't get a hold of you? Right. So No, and I think agreed. That's, yeah, and I and I think it's why you guys have grown many reasons, but that's one of the reasons why you guys have grown and done so well. And I think a lot of brands could take a, a, a note from that. And if you're an independent operator, same thing. Communication is is really one of the biggest keys that will help you stand out. That you communicate, that you respond to people's DMs and their emails quickly and their phone calls. I mean, we had in our front desk that if you missed a phone call, I didn't care if they left a message or not. You call them back. Mm-hmm. And we did. And more, and I'd say one out of three, we'd book an appointment. Like a lot of yep. them were just wrong calls or sales calls. But if it was a woman, she was probably calling another salon at that point. And we'd call them and go, oh, oh, wow. Yeah, great. Yeah, I do want to book with you guys because a lot of people don't care. They're just trying to get lashes. They're not trying to, they don't like to have their favorite lash place. They're just like, I'll just go to the first place that picks up the phone and books my appointment right now. And yeah, so, a thousand percent. And I think that's something that we all can uh, improve on. And that's something I believe in doing. I mean, I'm, I, my test probably drives her nuts, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm DMing people back all the time. I'm like, I believe in trying my best to respond. I don't want to wait, make them wait 48 hours or I only do it on Fridays at two o'clock is when I DM people back. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, sorry. <laughs> I just, it's not practical. It's not the way I'm wired. I, I mean, I'm more, a little bit more chaos. So I'm like, all yeah. Over the and place. if you're not wired that way, then you hire that way. There we you go. That, there you go. Ooh, Quote that, Paul. That's good. Yay. All right. Hashtag <laughs> that one. If you don't wire that way, you get hired that way. That's awesome. Okay. With this deal, obviously this is new grounds for you and new grounds for Ulta. And what do you feel are going to be some of your major obstacles? Or I mean, you're already in it, so you may already be facing some of those obstacles. What are some of the things that you're going to have to work through, resolve, or kind of re? invent maybe possibly in your company yeah there is a lot like we got this deal and we were so happy for like six hours and then it was like oh my gosh what did we do because just the the hugeness of it is so unreal and it's not like we're not a huge company but we've been e-com uh e-commerce the whole time right so meaning someone places an order and gives me their money and I will use that money to order the product, right. And ship it to them. And it's very simple and it's very easy and our margins are great and all of that stuff. But, uh, Ulta is a corporate business. And so they order, you know, whatever it is, a $500,000 order or a $1.5 million order. And we ship it to them and we don't get the money until after it's gotten to them. And then another two weeks. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, Cash flow has been crazy. Um, and yeah, and I think that was like going back to like the negative comments when it's like, oh, um, she's just money hungry or, you know, all of that stuff. It's like this has been the most stressful time in my career. We've never even had a receivables department. We didn't even know how to 
invoice like that, like for a corporate <laughs> yeah. business. And so my director of operations, his name is Braden. He's like, okay, so how are you, how do you do this? And I'm like, or like, how are you doing this? And I'm like, I've never done it before. And he's like, you don't have receivables. And it's been that, like a lot of that the whole time. So, um, cash flow has been the main obstacle I say. And then just, yeah, just the matter of the man hours for the training and for, um, customer service. It's a lot, a lot of people. Like we've had a lot of customers obviously over the years and, um, we have thousands of current customers like like currently ordering I think we're sitting around like 12,000 that are like currently recurring order and then that just went like we just added another 5,000 but like all at once right so wow um it's so just a lot yes, it's are, big growth. logistics are gonna be difficult and to grow and you have to hire out more people and and really define roles it sounds like a little bit more too yeah and the shipping in the warehouse and syncing to their software receiving system and, and, and shipping in the pallets and the way that they want them, you know, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole new ball game. Yeah. I mean, good problems to have, but it's definitely a learning curve and it's not all easy. And I think no. people understand cash flow with business is the lifeblood of a business and you don't have cash flow. You could be very busy and losing money because the cash well, you could there. be very busy and bankrupt so. and bankrupt mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Now tell me this, cause this, I, I had a record label for a short period of time. They're still around. You should go check out La La Land Records. And I learned something. Amazing. Yeah, I didn't know this until we started basically shipping product out to record stores back in the early 2000s when there were still record stores. And we would be shipping these products out. And then amazingly, a year later, we would get product back. And they'd be like, oh, we didn't sell all our records. And so here's a bunch of albums back. And uh, now you owe us money back. Or yeah. actually, the, actually, the distributors would take six months sometimes to pay. I mean, everything was on this really delayed timetable. And we were a small company, and they could abuse us all they wanted. I'm sure you know some of these bigger companies would be different. Now, is that something you have to worry about? Is a sense like your product not moving? Or is that something once they buy it off your hands, it's off your hands and you never have to worry about coming back to you? No, I, that is something you have to worry about for sure. And so we really have to be advising them on what product to take and um, guiding them. And they've been so great. Like I, what I will say about Ulta is like I can't say enough good things about how amazing like for for how massive of a giant they are, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just dealing with a like – eight person salon. Wow. Like they, they treat us like that. And if we like, if we like slip up or if we're confused or they're talking about something where I'm like, I don't know what you mean. Like, can you verify that? They're like, Oh my gosh, sorry for stressing you. Like, let me, let's jump on a call right now. Like, let's just FaceTime. And we have our contacts and they really take care of us. Like we've, we've like cried over it. Cause there's been times where it's just like, we feel so overwhelmed. Like we've like let them down and they're like, Oh my gosh, no, like we, we love you guys. We want to support you. Like, just let us know what you need. And it's, it's been really, really good. But yes, if they happen to order, for example, on, on the first lash order, they ordered like, uh, like 200 trays. This is like for each distribution center or whatever, 200 trays of like mixed trays, which is, you know, eight millimeter to 13 millimeter C curl. I'm like, okay, great. But then they ordered, like 2000 or whatever it was like an astronomical amount of 14 millimeter to 16 millimeter. Mm. And I was like, no, 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 this doesn't make sense because you're, <laughs> you're rarely going to use that. And so I have to like kind of be watching that, um, and, and guiding them along. And luckily for me, they really do let, let our team help them out. And it's very much a partnership. That's cool. And, that, and that's the thing that people don't understand about retail is retail is, it, it can kill you, the, the inventory. Mm-hmm. And you have to be careful with your numbers. And you have to be careful how much retail you have. And so you don't have so much on the shelf 
that your company is basically has no money left because you spent all that money getting it on the shelf. And then you, you're waiting for the money to roll in afterwards, which it doesn't show up the next day. It's not like, oh, it's on the shelf and it's done. Like e-commerce is much easier. You just, they buy it and you ship it and it, the money yeah. is there. there yeah. There's a little bit of a gap here that you're going to have to, you're going to learn to work with and logistics and learning the flow of things. I'm sure like probably when you first started buying lashes from Asia and starting to stock it, you had... I, in fact, I remember the old days when I remember see posts, hey, we're out of this product, we're out of this. And you guys would learn how to order more correctly to catch the flow of things as you guys were expanding. Yeah, turnaround times turnaround. and yeah, totally. And delays and all that. And I'm guessing that's going to be a little bit of a learning curve here too, where you're going to have to learn. You have these huge orders now and you're going to have to be able to time it better. And uh, this is where they call logistics and know yep. how the, the flow of things so your money isn't all tied up in one place or another and really and hampers your ability to get other products done. And even working with them to like get contracts in place where it's like, you know, with all the manufacturers that we deal with, it's like, well, what can you commit to us as far as production time? And if we order, you know, 60,000 lash trays, then how long is the turnaround time and holding them accountable to that? Because so many, you know, when you start, you don't have a lot of that that volume power, right? And yeah. so as time has gone on, you you get more of that. And then, you know, if, uh, people can't keep up with the demand because now your, your business is too big. And so it has been a struggle for sure. But it's good. It, it feels really good. It, I mean, like, I, I'm not going to complain about that where the, I guess the more power that you get or the more, um, like volume that you get, you can mm. negotiate and not negotiate like prices down. Cause I'm not about that. I'm not about like putting people out of business or, you know, yeah. making them so they don't have profit margins. I think that there's profit margins for everyone, but really holding them accountable so that it's like, we need to be able to lean on you and you need to be able to lean on us and um, commit to us. And yeah, it's good. It's yeah. a good thing. One of the things I was also looking at is this, this had to be scary to get into. This had to be at some point, like, really should we do this or should we, maybe we should back out or maybe or we're, we're faking it. We don't deserve to be here. Did you deal with any of that? Or was it ever a struggle or, or maybe, you know, I know some people are just like, you know what? I, I never think about it. Like for us and t me and Tuss, like with Lashcom, we didn't really think about what if we failed. That wasn't an option. It was like, mm -hmm. we're, we just do it. And then, you know, we make it work somehow. Did you ever struggle with any of those concerns or fears? No, I think I'm similar to you. Um, I, you know, there was times that I was like, oh my goodness, I, this is really big. Like this is scary. But whenever I would think about it, I, I knew that like, I believe in my team so much. And like, I have an amazing president, I have amazing um, operations. We have an 18,000 square foot, you know, distribution center and I have lash lift and I have all those things. And I really believed in my heart of hearts, like I am going to do this. And if you're going to partner with someone, it's got to be me. And so not that I don't respect other brands. I just really believe in, in myself and my yeah. people, obviously. And so, um, no, you just go for it. And I think, honestly, the fear set in, like, after it was done. And I think <laughs> I was, I'm still there a little bit. But, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's getting better. But, um, I mean, my, I thrive on fear. So that's And that's why you see me, and I'm sure you'll see me as the years go on. It's just, if it doesn't scare me, I'm just so bored. Mm-hmm. I have to feel so challenged. Like, I have to feel stretched and pushed. And if I get stuck in like too many of the detail things, I'm like, ugh, it like bugs me so much. I have to be thinking audaciously, which is a good segue, Paul, if you want yeah, to talk sure. about those salons yeah. that we talked about last time. Yeah, yeah. So this is something a year ago, about this time, I think it was, we had Courtney on and she was one of our first guests. I 
Or was yes, she our first guest? First I think you're our first guest. So that guest. one year later, here we are again talking, and we talked about her franchising. I remember you within a week or two after we were did this, you started posting online, and you had the new page, Instagram, and then you, there it seems like there was a little setback. So maybe you want to tell us what happened and what. No, obviously there was some delay because it's not out yet. Yeah. From what last I checked, I haven't seen it. So yes, let's yeah. find out about this. So. Basically what happened with that, and this is a good, this is just encouragement that you just, you don't need to have everything figured out before you open your mouth. It's fine to like change plans. So anyways, I did a bunch of press about it. I did a bunch of designs and then we, we launched it. And what actually happened was, um, I mean, the idea is still great. I think still think it's a great idea, but it was just when we learned about how many, um, legalities and stuff there was in every single state for franchising, you have to do like paperwork and franchise documents for every single state and every single province. And they're around $50,000 each. Um, and then we got so many leads for it. We had over 600 leads of people that wanted franchises, which was awesome. Um, but then when you start, you know, obviously from those little photos that we did and stuff, it was going to be a high level, like it was going to be an expensive build out. Right. And so lots of the people in the last industry just aren't ready for that upfront expense, which is totally fine. But we kind of just realized, okay, I don't know if the lash artists are ready to, you know, not be profitable year one yeah. or be in debt for longer than a week, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is fine. It's yeah. like the beauty of the lash industry, right? But but I don't think that they were ready for it. So we kind of pivoted off of that. And actually we're going, we're still next year, hopefully going to be opening some concept salons, but not as a franchise, just more of the corporate thing oh so these would be salons that you guys own and you operate a hundred percent and is that more like proof of concept you're hoping maybe to get that going and then maybe off of that eventually launch a, a franchise model i mean possibly i don't think that maybe less of a franchise model and more of a licensing or something along okay. that i mean there's so many ways to do it but yeah. i still think it's a cool idea for people that don't want to develop their own brand and stuff but actually like one of the brands that I really like the business model of is Glossier. Mm. Um, and, you know, like their, their concept stores, they have stores, but it's more about like the experience of the brand because um, it is so e-com. And so then you come into these brick and mortar stores and they have all these cute things or there's like that one that looks like all the like Glossier Desert or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so not that I'm going to do that, but I just want to have an experience where it's like, you know, you see us online all the time and you see us all these places. And so when I have these salons and maybe they're only like two or three bed salons and it's not really about the services. It's more about like, well, here's our retail line and this is the experience that the brand has like cultivated for you. Uh, I just want it to be fun. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just want it to be fun and cool. Now, is there a chance for you with Ulta to work something like that where you guys actually have your own salons in there? Is that an option that you've thought about or talked to them about? Or is it just purely they're saying, we're hiring you to be our trainers and you are going to be providing the products for our stores, but there's no other deal? Like I know Brow or Benefit, right? They have their Brow bars in there. So is that something that's a possibility or? We haven't discussed it. I think we're very still much in the pilot phase. So even right now with Alta, like they just launched their lash lift um, last week and it's only in like 45 locations, three states. Mm-hmm. And so then they're going to be rolling it out based on kind of how that goes. And I mean, if it if it gets blown away, then sure, I'll pitch them on something like that. But I don't know if I have the, the power right yeah. now. Yeah. Right now, is it going to be like, but just getting back to Ulta, is it going to be, are we going to see your name in the store? Is it going to be kind of cool to walk in and say, you know, lashes by Sugar Lash? or is it going to be just something 
you know, it's just happy. You, it's like an inside deal. Everyone, your people are training there, but it's not like, you know, like I know online I looked and saw Redken is tr- their Redken train hairstylist. They have OPI train Dermalogica. Like, is it going to be the same kind of idea with your brand? I actually don't know yet. They right now they do have on all their service menus. They have lashes by Sugar Lash Pro. So like oh. they have our logo in their marketing stuff, but I don't think it's on their website yet and we didn't really discuss it honestly. It doesn't matter to me. You okay. know, it's it's just I just want to support them and have it have it cool and then yeah, down the road, sure maybe they'll they'll put up more marketing, but they very much do their own marketing. Like I don't have a say in that. Yeah. We will provide the images and stuff in our logo and they can kind of use it as they see fit. Just ask for a cutout of you, life size, and every. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to go and be able to take selfies with Courtney and every Ulta. That, that sounds like something we all should be doing. <laughs> That'll be in in our concept stores. That'll yeah, yeah, so, it'll be a selfie booth with Courtney. That would be so cute. I mean, it's millions of dollars in that. I'm sure. Uh, no one, no one will hate you for that. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like, no. No, oh, that's really funny. Um, well, I, I think with you, with the about going back to the uh, the franchise model, when that didn't work out, obviously you guys made a big deal. H- how was that? How did that play out at home? I guess was that a hard thing? Was did you feel like crap? We kind of shot went too fast. We jumped before we're ready. When what, what was kind of the feelings back in the home base? You know, I mean, I think. Initially, when we launched it, I was like, oh, we need to like make it seem like it's going to be so easy for people and whatever. And then when we decided like, oh, my gosh, this is so much work and no one can afford this and whatever that we were kind of like, hey, you know, it's going to be, you know, 500 thousand to seven hundred fifty thousand dollars and people kind of just like were like oh that's okay then and, no big and it deal no, thank you oh, okay just check it just check it oh my and gosh. so then what we did actually was we just we created a salon partner program and we actually just because they were so passionate about our brand we we got them on the salon partner program which is um actually we haven't talked about it that much but it's it's kind of like under undercover although it's not supposed to be but it's it's our salon partner program and it's just kind of a monthly um thing and we just give you discounts to you know retail and and stuff and some other perks so they can definitely email if they want to get on that but we we just converted like all of them to salon partners which is awesome so i mean that's kind of like aveda has that with with aveda salons they are not really owned by aveda they just happen to be partnering with aveda for their training and for their retail or for their products yeah but aveda doesn't own them they're still they'll still have their independent name of their salon and they'll say Somewhere below the name of, you know, hair is by hair by Sally, it'll say an, an Aveda salon. Like totally. That. So is that it's exactly of, like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that, and that we give them like a marketing package with decals and posters mm-hmm. and they get like the swag and the stuff for their salon. And then they get discounts off product and training and all of that stuff. See, I think that's a service for the industry. And I, I want to encourage people not to look at this with hate and, 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 and envy. Um, because if you go back to Aveda, um, them being a partner for many different salons, it's, it's, it is, um, it's an opportunity for them to elevate themselves. So a lot of the top 200 salons from Salon Today happen to be Aveda salons. So by you offering the same kind of program, it's just giving access to people for more information on how they can elevate their services. 
Yeah, I mean, Aveda really has their training down, and they have a, a great culture, and they really know how to communicate that. And they've only helped the salons that participate in that program to do better. So I think the same thing with you guys doing that. And I'm sure Borbaletta and The Lash Affair and these other companies are looking to do similar things. And it's only going to help our industry. It's not going to hurt our industry. And we, we need market leaders. We need mm -hmm. companies that are have the ability financially, too, to take gambles and chances and do things that – a small mom and pop just can't do. They just don't have the means to do it. So we really, people need to calm down those who are on that side of fear and afraid of corporations and big business. Uh, they, this is a partnership. We need both. We need the little mom and pops that do great work. And we also need the bigger corporations can, that can afford the market to push the brand forward. And the fact that we're now going to be in Ulta's is only going to get more people interested in lashes. More people are going to be calling other salons and trying to get in and get more lashes. And the same thing with product lines. So I, there's, this is all good for people. And I hope people see that. You know, what's funny when you're just talking about the corporate stuff yeah. is like, if you guys like knew me more personally as a person, well, I don't know if it ever comes across, but I am like super anti-establishment. Like oh, I yeah. am like, <laughs> I am so anti-corporate, not anti-corporate though, but like, yeah. and, and so there was, there was a lot, there was this really weird time in like Sugar Lash history where it was like kind of going from this like small business. And I don't, I don't even know what the definition of a large business is, but I'd say that we're moving into more of a, like a larger like corporate a business now. At this point. Large in the last world, but midsize mm. in the, you know, I guess. Right. In world. the, in the normal business world. But like there was so many times where I would just, cause I'm, I'm just an ideas person. Right. So I just want to go and like, I'd pivot a new idea and I'd pivot a new idea. And I'd be like, okay, that's not working. We need to do this. And they were like, stop. They're like, we're not this little speedboat anymore. We're a cruise ship now. And we can't just pivot like this anymore and I was so upset by it like I was like I don't want this this isn't what I signed up for I like small business and I do I yeah. will stand by that today yeah. I am not like oh I love corporate business and I love the email lingo and I love being super professional and talking about RFQs I don't but I do like supporting people and supporting them really well and I have a lot of ideas on how to do it and so it just so happens that the company grew um, to, uh, like a size that honestly I'm highly uncomfortable with yeah. and I, it's not as fun anymore for me, but I, I have amazing team members now that they do thrive in more of that corporate world and, um, they just have to deal with having a crazy young, like, sassy boss so that is what it is <laughs> well i've ever seen you've said that you have a, a ban on excel sheets in your company that you don't read excel sheets which i thought was hilarious i know no spreadsheets no google docs no like google they google. have to either text it to me or put it in an email or like yeah even if it's a contract they'll put like their bullet points and like that's it we can't do it love it no that's fine and i i think that's what makes it you guys will probably have that young heart and that probably will feel like a small business while you are a big business and you know and it's it's good i i think that's fun and i i while I keep talking about corporate, and you're right, uh, you probably I've been grading against you. This like, I'm not corporate, but corporate, but, <laughs> but you guys are in a lot of ways, and and you and we need people like you guys out there who have the ability to do bigger things, and I think to test bigger ideas that uh, smaller companies just don't have the means or the time or the resources. So it's all good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. 
Just as long as everyone knows that that wasn't my intention to have it be yeah. what it is. It's just yeah. it's just yeah. been a byproduct of a lot of hard work and always challenging myself that that's where it went. So Apolog- God had other plans than what I had. Yeah, really. you're like apologetically big. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, <laughs> totally. I'm so sorry this happened. But I didn't okay. mean for this to happen. That's all good. But I I, I think that's uh, – I think we got a lot yeah, out of that. Did. I mean this has been really, really exciting. And thank you so much, Courtney, for taking some time while you're in England. Oh, wait. Scotland, Ireland, uh, yeah, yeah, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere across over, the pond. <laughs> yeah, across the pond in the UK, and we're really uh, better for it. And we thank you, and we hope to have you obviously back again with even bigger announcements in the future for bigger things. And I hope for everyone out who has been listening that this is seen as a an encouraging big movement for all of us, and that we all can celebrate this, and we will celebrate each other. I think one of the things that I would love to see more and more in industry is when anyone succeeds. We all rally behind that person and celebrate mm-hmm. them because yeah. I think the more we do that, the more it's going to push each of us. You know, we want to do better. We want to do more. I mean, I listen to other other podcasts, not because I, I have nothing to do with my time, but because I want to hear what they're doing. I want to grow. I want to learn from them. And I want yep. to And it sparks honest. ideas for you. Yeah. And, you know, no offense to Shelby and Jamie and everyone out there. I want to be better than them. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. And the only way I'm going to know what they're doing is by listening to them. And I know that they feel the same way. And it's a healthy, fun competition mm-hmm. to try to do better work and to up one up each other. So it's not yeah. not me trying to. Oh, I hope Shelby goes out of business. <laughs> it's like that's no, that, totally. That'd be bad, actually. No, by the it's way, it's a sharpening. It's a sharpening. Yeah, this it helps all of us. So thank you, Courtney, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Okay, thanks so much, guys, and I will see you on Lash Cruise. Yes, yeah. yes, that'll be our next thing coming in March. More details to come. another episode thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with us today hopefully you got something out of it i know we did listening to courtney and just kind of like never give up never stop never quit that grit that was so inspiring and encouraging to us because we've as you all know we've had our struggles and there have been plenty of times where we felt like quitting and giving up and just hearing someone like courtney doing this having the same issues and just fighting and fighting until you get through it is great because that if she can do it really guys take the, the takeaway really is you can too it's not just meant, there's not success just for some people. I think anyone who wants it and is going to fight for it is going to get there eventually. It may look different than you want, but you'll get there. And I hopefully you can take encouragement from this, from her sharing that how, you know, it really was a big failure at first and how she turned around and made it into something. And even talking about how the whole thing with the franchise and how that didn't really quite pan out. It's sometimes you just got to keep fighting, keep trying until finally you kick in that door and it happens for you. So guys, hopefully you get that inspired a little bit from that and really feel encouraged to go out there and do it. So we will do this again very soon. So please, guys, if you can, please give us your reviews. We need your support. Please go out there, you know, like it, share it, tag us all you can on Instagram. And if you have any questions or anything you want to get back to us, feedback, please DM us on Instagram at Lashcast Podcast, or now you can also DM us at, at Lashcon.com as I'm managing two pages. Why not? Well, that's pretty much it. We're all done here. I think I'm trying to wrap this up and don't know how to do it. So we'll just say good night, goodbye. Thank you so much for tuning in. And on behalf of my last experts or expert today of Tustin while Erica is on assignment, as well as my special guest, Courtney, I want to thank you for taking some time out to listen today. Keep on lashing. And remember, you have a friend in the lash industry. <laughs> <laughs>